Today is Monday, April 1st, and happy April Fool's, everyone. Welcome back to the second episode of the Buffalo Daily Podcast. And here's your host, Cody, back here with another episode. COVID-19 still happened. Everyone's going crazy still. I know I'm still going crazy here. Very, very bored with everything. <laughs> Been reading a lot of articles lately on just reading about the Bills, Sabres, sports, really not much going and a lot of highlights and stuff. So I just want to talk to you guys about a great thing I saw on the news. One of the articles I was reading is actually the Pagulas are donating $1.2 million, which is incredible to the Buffalo, Buffalo, Western New York region. Um, they're gonna, they've, I think I read it properly. They're gonna donate across eight different funds, which is like to help people throughout Western New York with food. Anything they need, just like to keep people supported, which is awesome. And many players have chipped in, including Sabres and Bills players, which I'll cover. Today in today's news, we're going to cover a couple of Bills and Sabres signs too, and also just break down other things we've saw. And I'm going to talk about what the NHL should do in the first my first mock draft for the NHL. But before we jump into today's episode, um, I want to visit the Buffalo. If you guys visit the Buffalo Daily Podcast Shop, not the Buffalo. If we visit the BD shop and use code BD podcast, and that will get you 10% off anything on the store. I'll link that down below in the podcast description. But once again, that is BD podcast for 10% off. Now let's jump into the episode. So as we get started today, let's jump into first the bill signs since last episode, because I know we covered most of their signs last episode. But I just want to hop into what's happened since then. So first is Isaiah McKenzie signed for a one-year deal, which I couldn't find the money for that deal, but I do love this signing because I am a huge fan myself as an Isaiah McKenzie. I love the energy he brings to the team, the different dynamic he brings to the team. Short, very fast guy. Doesn't run a ton of routes, but like a good option for receiver, but also just the fact that we can run jet sweeps with him and just a bunch of different plays with him and potentially special teams. So looking at McKenzie, he's obviously, he's very young still, only 24 years old out of Georgia College. Georgia University, sorry, not college, oh my goodness. And last season, he appeared in 15 games. He had 27 receptions for 254 yards. That was an average of 9.4 yards and a long of 46. He had one touchdown reception too. Then for Russian, he this is where he ran a lot of jet sweeps for the Bills. He he had eight attempts for 49 yards and a 6.1 average for a 16-yard long, which is awesome to see. So I am a big fan of what he brings to the table and love to see what they will continue to add in the offense with him. Another signing is cornerback EJ Gaines. They signed him to a one-year deal. That's just I think it's a depth thing. Training camp, they'll bring him in. If he puts up a good thing and they don't maybe draft a cornerback that they like, they, I'll see that I could see them keeping EJ Gaines around as a depth player. But I don't know. No, he, he's 28 years old. He, did, he was on practice squads last year, didn't appear in any games. And the year before that, he played for the Browns for six games. So not really much going for him, but we'll see where that goes. Another sign, another Carolina Panther actually has signed with the Bills, and that is Daryl Williams. He's an offensive lineman, and they also signed him to a one-year deal. 
He is 27 years old, and he's played. And in 2019, he played, he played and was a starter in Carolina. But in 2018, he missed with a knee injury. <laughs> so looking at what he's played, he's a very versatile offensive lineman. As he, he started at left guard for five games, left tackle for four games, and right guard for three games. And he's a former fourth rounder to Carolina in 2015. So a lot of experience with him and another Carolina guy come to Buffalo. We'll come back to the Bills, but now let's jump into the Buffalo Sabres news this week. Well, with the season being shut down or we'll just kind of pause, it's been a very relative quiet time for the Sabres and not much has been happening with them. I recently wrote on the blog actually too, a post on what I think the NHL should do to return to play. And so I just kind of want to talk to you guys about what I think their game plan should be to return to return to play because I think they should return to play as long as they can get back before obviously like late August or September because at that point I think it would be too late but I feel like we do need a Stanley Cup champion. So we'll top into it. So I said that um, hopefully this will be all over. I gave like a kind of a cushion I think over by like May. So I say that they, the players should, if they can return to practice on June 1st, they, re, they return to their players, they return their players to the teams, and they can get a two-week practice period from June 1st to the 13th for a good practice period, two weeks to get their legs back under them. And then obviously some teams are ranging right now. There's 68, some teams have played 68 games. Some have played like 71, 72. So obviously you can't have, just jump in the playoffs in my opinion, because that's not fair. So I said from June 13th to the 29th, so that gives a two-week period to get teams practicing, get the game, get a couple games under their belt. So I say they played a 74-game schedule this year and complete that regular season, which would be incredible because then it makes the playoff race kind of fair, like kind of takes away from people being like, oh, this isn't that fair. So then we have a two-day rest period after the regular season ends, and then playoffs would start July 1st. And I, I said I'd keep the playoff format the exact same. I don't want them to change anything because I don't think that would be fair. The shortened playoffs, best of five, I think they keep the same. Playoffs are usually 60, roughly 60 days, give or take a couple days. And so I said playoffs will happen from July 1st to August 29th. The same amount of teams in the playoffs, best of seven, you keep it the exact same. A day off in between each game. So that's what I say. And the NHL also announced the, they were pushing the combine awards and the draft back. Mm -hmm. So I, in my plan, I also detailed like when they should reschedule these events. So I said August 12th through the 14th is when they should redo the scouting combine because that's the during the playoffs still, but it's before the finals, but it still allows teams to get it done in the most optimal time. And then I said two days after the playoffs end, August 31st, they should have the NHL awards to honor the, all the award winners, everything to keep that tradition alive, which I do love have, watching that award show. And then I said for the NHL entry draft, they pushed it to September 11th through the 13th, which is it's going to be held in Montreal. And I said the thing I want it then is because you want to start, well, <clears throat> sorry, you want the draft to happen before, obviously, the junior season starts. So having it then gives two weeks or so for teams to have their draft interviews after the playoffs and figure out who they want to draft before the draft. And then reschedule next season, obviously the 2020-2021 season, 
I said from no so from November 1st to the 15th, they should have that NHL preseason training camp. So it's a shorter preseason pre and training camp, but then it allows teams to get after it earlier in the year so it's not pushing too far in the summer. Then obviously you have the regular season from November 16th to April 10th. And that's just a regular season, all 82 games. You keep that the same. So then you're not getting too pushed far back. It's kind of more of a just condensed schedule by like two weeks, like I think it was like 10 days or so, which isn't too bad. So you just kind of got to maybe a couple more back-to-back -back games, but if that's why they want to return to normal, that's what they're going to have to do. And then the 2021 and 2022 season will return to normal as long as everything goes to plan, which I sure hope does. So that's kind of wild just to think, like that it will take a two-year period just to get the NHL back on track. Yeah, it's like a lot going on, but it will take a lot of adjustment to get the team not the teams, all the teams, but also the league back on track. So also since we last talked on this podcast, the Sabres have signed a couple college graduates last week to probably be AHL players potentially. I guess we'll see where they worked out. Both these players have played for the Sabres in development camps and stuff, so I'm sure they like to see the growth and I guess they're just signing them to add some youth to the AHL team and potentially see if they can develop any good players. So the first one is Brandon Byro. He's a left wing out of Penn State. He's currently 22 years old from Sherwood Park, Alberta. He's listed at 5'11", 161 pounds. He's play he played all four years at Penn State where he served as a captain in his final season. And he signed a $125,000 deal. Um, his senior year, he played in 25 games. He had 10 goals and 15 assists with only eight penalty minutes. In his junior season, he had 40 points. So pretty solid player. I think what I've read from him, he's more of like a power forward grinder, like playmaker. He helps his teammates out and stuff. The next player the Sabres signed is Dawson Pietro. He was actually on the Instigators the other day. So it's kind of cool to listen to his interview and see what he has to say. And he's very excited about coming to the team. He's a left wing out of Western Michigan. He's 24 years old from Ohio. He is listed at 5'11", 185 pounds. He played all four years at Western Michigan. And in the senior season, he played 35 games where he had 12 goals and 17 assists for 29 points, but had 46 penalty minutes, which is kind of a lot in college, especially because they're not fighting or anything. So that's one thing I will be interested to watch out for. He also attended the development camp he signed for 750000 k Also, this week, the Sabres, like last week, they added more classics. I, I'm sure they'll keep doing that throughout the weeks, having more classic games for people to watch. But they won't be on YouTube anymore. They'll be on MSG, and they're looking to add them to the Sabres website in the future. So Wednesday, April 1st game is a 2006 game against the Sens, where they had a shootout win. Thursday the 2nd is a 2006 game versus the Leaves where they had an eight-game winning streak. And Friday the 3rd was a 2006 game versus Sens with a huge one-minute regulation and overtime comeback wins. That's it about it for this week's Sabres news. Once again, once the NHL figures out what they're going to do, if they've had the season, whatever, and once the Sabres season is officially over, we will do a team awards of like team MVP, who I thought for this year, and a wrap-up of more in-depth. But now let's jump over to the Bills.
All right, so now jumping back into the Buffalo Bills news for this week. To go along with the PSC donation, the Bills players have actually, a bunch of them donated, helping community out a ton. So the leadoff, Josh Allen actually responded to the Bagula's tweet saying, how can I hop in on this? And so then after, it's coming on that he donated 25K to the Bagula Fund to assist the Buffalo area. Other players have helped out. Tremaine Edmonds has donated 1,000 lunches in his hometown in Virginia. John Feliciano donated 25K to two non-for-profits to assist with people in need for this. Tyler Croft donated 50K to four different causes, including the PSE Fund to help people in Western New York. Uh, Mitch Morris with a huge donation of 100K to Feed More Foundation in Western New York to also help out with people. And then alumni, John Curto, Eric Wood, Thurman Thomas have all helped out too by making donations to the Buffalo slash Western New York area. So it's great to see everyone helping out those in need right now and how the culture of this team and this like, just this city is to help each other and one another. And it's just awesome to see and that's how the, the different, that's how they're forming this team. Now moving on to the NFL draft. It's only 22 days away. And that's the only sporting event in sight. So I'm excited to see how that's going to turn out. It is still scheduled to happen, but and it'll be on TV, but it won't be obviously in Vegas or anything. It'll just be like more of a studio draft. So now I, I actually wrote an article last week about my first mock draft. And so now let's take a look at that mock draft and on who I think the Bills should select. Well, this is my first glance. So obviously the Bills don't have a first round pick because they traded away obviously for Stefan Diggs. And so they don't pick till round two, number pick number 54. So for this, I had them picking John Simpson, an offensive lineman slash guard from out of Clemson. A lot, this pick is more of like a depth pick and to like develop, also develop a guard for them because that's obviously like some of their O-linemen are a little older and stuff so it's a great opportunity with having a strong O-line to develop and groom some people and so I say they they draft Simpson because he is a 6'4", 321 pound and was a first team all-conference player for Clemson. Out of the combine he received a prospect grade of 6.35 and is supposed to be a strong starter within his first two seasons supposedly yeah, the scouts, so I think that's a good pick for them to add some depth and hopefully be have a long-time O-lineman. Their next pick, so round three, pick number 86, I have them picking a linebacker slash edge out of Tennessee, Daryl Taylor. He, at 6'4", 267 pounds, uh, I like this pick because we could drop him down to the defensive line to be an edge rusher and civil linebacker which he has experience doing. He did this at Tennessee quite a bit. And he's, which he had eight sacks and forced three fumbles and had 33 six, 36 stops and 11 tackles for a loss in the 2019 season. So this guy is a difference maker on the D-line. NFL scouts have him as a 6.16 rating and they say he could be a good backup and can grow into a starter, which would be ideal for this team right now because we're kind of set right now for position-wise. But we're more looking for depth players and players to fill like 
to develop it into the future. So at round four, pick number 128, I have the Bills drafting A.J. Dillon, a running back of Boston College. Because obviously right now we have Devin Singletary, very young, going into his second season, and he is our guy at running back. But we're going to need someone for depth. And this is where I, we had another guy. He doesn't, as a rookie, he won't take up much money, well, barely any money, and he fits into our scheme very well. Dylan is a six-foot, 247-pound running back. He has a four-year dash of 4.53 seconds. And this past season for Boston College, he had 318 carries for 1,685 yards and 14 touchdowns. Moving on to round five, uh, pick 167. I have the Bills taking a safety that they say could move down the linebacker. Depends. Tanner Muse from out of Clemson. Muse is a safety that can be turned into a linebacker, but I'd like to see how he develop that safety behind Porter and Hyde as they're starting to get up there. And we'll see if they resign those guys because I don't know if they'll be able to resign both of them. So it'll be interesting to see. He's a six foot two, 227 pound guy from Clemson, and he ran a 4.41 in the 40 yard dash, which is fast. Scouts have him, I've given him a prospect grade of a 5.8, and they see him as a backup and a special teams player. And that's where I see him fit into this team this year, as a backup special teams player. <laughs> and another round six pick, pick 188, I have them drafting a cornerback from Pittsburgh. Dean Jackson. This is, he's a, he is said to be a very green talent, I guess. So, like a lot of untapped potential, but it's like I said, he's shown a lot of development in the last two years. And with such a strong secondary we have, this pick will allow us to develop him, maybe practice squad or like a depth player to develop him behind Trey and all other guys to see how he turns out. Also, round six, pick under two and seven. Uh, 207, I have him drafting Kelvin Throckmorton. Morton, I, that's a guess that's how you say. An offensive tackle at Oregon. He's 6'5", 317 pounds. And obviously, later pick, just kind of a guy to develop and see how he turns out. So that's where I see him draft, fitting into that. And then finally, with our last pick in round seven, pick 100. 239, I have his drafted Rodrigo Blankenship, the kicker of Georgia, the guy with the goggles. I love this guy. He's been the most, obviously, Hoshka. Kickers are very important in this league. We know that they cost us the Browns game last year, which could have helped us win the division. But no, we missed a lot of field goals in that game. And Hoshka kind of, hasn't been where we, he used to be. Obviously, he's not the same as he could be. As he was, sorry. And so I think we got to go young with this and get a kicker. And this is the best kicker coming out of college. Obviously, he might go late earlier, but this is where I'm in the mock draft, where I've read that he might go. But I could see them take him in the sixth round just to be safe. He's been the most consistent kicker in college football. He has made all 46 extra points in his career. He was 27 of 33 on field goals. And he, three of the five missed field goals were from over 50 yards. So he is very talented. And so I would like to see him make this step to the NFL and be a Buffalo Bill. 
As, so basically that wraps up who I think based off the free agency, who the bill should draft. Obviously, I'm going to do another mock draft in the next week or so of other picks the Bills could make, obviously based on different scenarios, on who they draft earlier, how I might do the next draft, my next mock draft, do the Bills select someone in the second, uh, second round, they draft a running back to see how that pans out. But I'll try to, try to do, obviously, more mock drafts. So that's it for the Bills news this week. Now let's hop into our first segment we want to do with, on this podcast. And we're going to start a new segment called High and Wide Hot Takes. So I couldn't find tons this week, but the purpose of this segment is going to be to find some wild tweets or articles that are just baffling takes, obviously. So I tried to do them the best I could do, but it's kind of hard. So if you guys come across any tweets or anything, posts, blog posts or anything that are absolutely wild, send them to me and they could be featured on the next podcast and I'll give you a shout out. So the ones I found this week, nothing too crazy really. This one just from Ryan Talbert, just just kind of weird to me. Could the Bills take Cam Newton or Jameis Winston? They think that they makes the most sense for them to sign with Buffalo to be backup, but those are two guys that don't want to be backup quarterbacks. So I don't see where he gets that from. But So that's just a baffling tweet or take for, for me. And another one that very funny, I saw that came across this day actually. The Bills um, tweeted out and posted on Instagram, uh, new digs, same 14, so Stefan Diggs with keeping number 14. And so this guy on Instagram, Sea Walker, comments, I bet $10 million the Bills won't respond. And the Bills immediate reply, how are you going to pay up? And I got 615 likes when I saw it by fans, so kind of wild to see that the Bills do keep an eye on their social media. But anyways, guys, that will include, conclude episode two for us of the Buffalo Daily Podcast. Once again, thanks for tuning in and stick with, with us as we continue to improve our podcast as I work on getting a mic and also just improving my skills, and getting a better area to record, and also just improving how I do this episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at BuffaloDaily716 on Twitter and Instagram for the latest up-to-date news on what we are up to, and be sure to check out our blog and the Buffalo Daily Store to support us. Everything is going to be linked down in the description below. And also, finally, be sure to hit that subscribe button and show us some love as we continue to grow. The hit subscribing and stuff makes me feel like people are listening and people actually like what we're doing, so I hope you guys do like what we're doing and continue to follow us. Anyways, thanks for tuning along and supporting us, and until next week, go Buffalo.